Well, this morning, I want to do a little something different in our worship service, something I don't usually do. Over the past several weeks, I've had a number of different people ask me the question, Brother Jeff, when are you going to share about your experience of your time and your family's time on the mission field? So this morning, I'm going to take the opportunity to do that in our worship service. And the reason I want to do that this morning is because of the title of our message, where we're going to be focusing our attention today. The title of the message this morning is The World's Greatest Need. And so I want to share with you this video of what God did in our lives, and I'm hoping that God will use it to speak into your hearts and into your life. Now, I want to start by saying this. I must make a disclaimer because this video is not my doing. Uh, If you've met me and you know anything about me, you know that I am not a technological guru. I'm hoping every day to be able to find the on button on my computer in the office. And if you don't believe me, you can ask Laura Kale. She'll tell you that because I work, I'm oftentimes saying, Laura, can you help me with this? Can you do that for me? Actually, my wife is the technological guru in our family, and she is the one who has put together this video. So I want you to enjoy it and just have an opportunity to see our lives and how how God blessed and touched our lives for the almost nine years that we served in Zambia. Miss Rose, can we play that this morning, please? I must confess, every time I see the video, it stirs my emotions. It's hard to live somewhere almost nine years of your life and not to be touched emotionally when you see where it was that you spent part of your life. At times, it seems as though we were there yesterday, and other times, it seems as though it was 100 years ago since we've been in Zambia. As I sit at home watching that video last night or yesterday evening, I just was thinking back. I told myself, it seems like it has been forever since we were in Zambia. But then as we watched that video, just thinking to myself, there is a good possibility that my family and I will never go back there again. But in the nine years that we served in Zambia, or almost nine years, I will share with you that God used that in our life to make us into the family that we are today. And in many ways, I'm a much greater minister, a much greater pastor, a much greater preacher of God's Word due to the opportunity that I had to live in the country of Zambia. Oftentimes, people would tell us, oh, what a sacrifice it is that you went and lived in Zambia. But honestly, I don't see it as a sacrifice at all. I see it as a privilege. We were given the great privilege of being able to carry the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. As I've said and thought about our theme for this week in our 30 days of prayer emphasis, I have been left with the question of what is the world's greatest need? I've said in my office and I've thought about the number of different ways I could approach that subject this morning. But each time I tried to figure out a way to approach that subject, there was one question that kept coming back to my mind. And that question is this, what is the world's greatest need? If we could give the world one single thing in life, what is it that we would offer them? 
Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me this morning. I realize we live in a world where there are great social injustices. And I'm not saying as God's people we should not work to alleviate those great social injustices. I think we should as God's people because we serve a God who is just and God is concerned about justice. But at the same time, if we only have one message that we can give the world this morning, I believe that message would be this, that God's desire is that all of the world would know Jesus Christ and worship Him. I think that is the great desire of God's heart. If some way today we could open up God's heart and look in the side of God's heart, do you know what we would find in the center of God's heart? At the very center of God's heart, we would find the nations of the earth. God loves people. I don't know if you remember the words that Mike read to us a moment ago out of the book of Revelation. I love John the Revelator, and John has given us an opportunity to get a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like in the future. But did you notice what he said about the throne of God? He said, at the throne of God, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language was represented there, and they were all praising God and worshiping Him. That is God's great desire for mankind is that they would know the Lamb of God and that they would worship Jesus Christ for who He really is. That is His desire. But there's only one problem. The problem is this. On that day, there will be many people who won't be there. There'll be many people at the throne of God. I mean, there will be many people that are missing at the throne of God on that day. To paraphrase the words of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ said, wide is the gate that leads to destruction and many people are on it. Narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life and only a few people are on it. The clear teaching of God's Word is this. Those people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior are living under the wrath of God. Now, I know that's not a popular message in our world today. And I know that many pastors avoid that like the plague. But I will tell you this morning, it does not change the reality. The truth of God's Word is very clear. To be apart from Christ is to stand guilty and condemned in God's sight. That is the truth of God's Word. And perhaps nowhere is that clearly, more clearly stated than in Romans, the first chapter. I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His individual, in, invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world 
in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Did you hear what it was that Paul said to this past, I mean, to this church in Rome? He said, there's coming a day when every single person will be without excuse. God has clearly revealed himself to mankind so that one day when mankind stands before him in judgment, no one will be able to say, I did not know. No one, I did not understand. God's word says they will be without excuse. Now look back here at what he says here in the rest of this passage. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. I like that. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. You know, there's a lot of people in America who think they are wise. The problem is they are stumbling over what? The foolishness of the cross. Do you realize it's possible to be wise from a worldly standard and still miss heaven? Did you know that? It is. I have met people in my life and I have shared the gospel with people, some people who are far more intelligent than I am, who simply cannot get it. They don't understand it. They are wise beyond their years from a human understanding, but they're missing the cross of Jesus Christ. They're misunderstanding the grace that God offers them. Listen to what else he says in this passage of Scripture. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. When I read that passage of Scripture, I am blown away. Aren't you? The clear teaching of God's Word is this. To be apart from Jesus Christ is to be under the wrath of God. No matter how moral good a person may be from the standpoint of the world I'm telling you today to be apart from Christ a failure to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is to be under the wrath of God whether we want to accept that as truth or don't want to accept that as truth it does not change the validity of God's word God's word is very clear to be apart from Christ is to be under the wrath of God. This morning, in the time that we have left, I want us to ask ourselves two very important questions, and I want to seek to answer them from God's Word. The first question I want us to ask ourselves this morning is this, what does it mean to live under the wrath of God? 
If you have your Bibles this morning, you'll want to turn them to Ephesians, the second chapter. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to a group of believers, and as he opens chapter 2, he's going to conclude by talking about this great salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. He says, For it is by grace that you have been saved by faith. But before he gets to that verse of Scripture, he's going to share with these believers who they were spiritually before they met Jesus Christ. He opens chapter 2 with these words by saying, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. What does it mean to be under the wrath of God? It means to be dead spiritually. That is the fatal condition of all of the world apart from Jesus Christ. They are dead spiritually. They may be alive physically. They may be walking and talking, but they could care less about the things of God according to what Scripture says. Now, I want you to listen to what Paul says here. He's going to give us a description of the life of these believers before before they came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And what they're going to do is he's going to stack one descriptive phrase on top of the other to describe their, uh, their spiritual condition. Listen to what he says. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins, and once you walked... Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Did you hear what it was that Paul said about this group of believers before they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? He said at one time they followed the prince of the power of the air. Do you know what Paul is saying here? He was saying their hearts were utterly filled with evil. Now, I know we don't like to hear that. But the truth of the matter is this, apart from Jesus Christ, every single person is spiritually depraved. They will choose that which is wrong over that which is right the majority of the time. That is the reality of the spiritual condition of mankind. Listen to what else he says in this passage of Scripture. He said they followed the course of the world. Their desires were for the things of the world. Now listen to verse 3. He also refers to them as sons of disobedience, among whom we once all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. When I read these words that Paul wrote here to the church at Ephesus, I am shocked about the spiritual condition of mankind apart from Jesus Christ. Did you hear what Paul said in this passage? He stacked one descriptive phrase on top of another one to describe our spiritual condition apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. To be under the wrath of God is to be spiritually dead, is what the Apostle Paul says in this passage of Scripture. But not only does it just mean to be spiritually dead, Paul goes on here and he says something else to us. It also means to be utterly helpless and hopeless to change our spiritual condition. What does it mean to be under the wrath of God? It means to be utterly helpless and hopeless to change our spiritual condition. Perhaps nowhere is this seen anywhere, I mean, perhaps nowhere in in the Bible is this seen more clearly than in Matthew, the ninth chapter. If you have your Bibles there, turn over to Matthew, the ninth chapter real quick. As you're turning your Bibles there, 
as Matthew brings chapter 9 to a conclusion, he gives us a synopsis of the ministry of Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to what Matthew records here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You know, Jesus Christ was the master teacher, wasn't he? Jesus oftentimes would take everyday experiences, and through everyday experiences, he would teach important spiritual truths. And that's what Jesus Christ does in this passage of Scripture. He uses the illustration of sheep and shepherd to help us to understand our spiritual condition. If you've not heard me say this before, you will hear me say it this morning, Sheep are one of the most unintelligent animals to live. That's the reason why we never see any sheep acts at the circus. You ever seen one? No. Because they're helpless and they're harassed. The sheep are dependent upon the shepherd for everything. For their food, for their protection, for their water. They can't survive without the shepherd. Well, the same is true spiritually for us as God's people. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are utterly helpless and hopeless to change our spiritual condition. We can try to pick ourselves up by the bootstrap. We can become more religious, but at the end of the day, we do not have the ability, the strength, the power to change our spiritual condition. It is utterly impossible for us to do it. It's the point that Jesus Christ is making in this passage of Scripture. We are helpless, and we are hurting, and we are hopeless apart from Jesus Christ. We are like a sheep, or we are like sheep without a shepherd. What does it mean to be under the wrath of God? It means to be utterly helpless and hopeless to change our spiritual condition. Number three, what does it mean to be under the wrath of God? It means to be in need of the gospel. To be in need of the gospel. I want you to listen to what Matthew records in this passage of Scripture. Listen to verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. I don't know about you, sometimes I read Scripture and I ask myself the question, why is that? Why did Jesus Christ go throughout the villages and the cities proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom. Well, the reason Jesus Christ did that is he saw a need. He saw people's greatest need, and their greatest need in life was for the gospel message. 
Now, I know this is not popular in the world in which we live in today, but I will tell you this morning, there are not many gospel messages. There are not many roads that lead to God or lead to heaven. There is only one way by which men can be saved. As a matter of fact, Paul said in Galatians, the first chapter, if anyone, even an angel of the Lord, preached to you another gospel message, let him be accursed. There is only one gospel message that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven. He willingly came here to earth. He willingly went to a cruel cross. He hung there. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose for the forgiveness of sin. That is the gospel message. And anyone who is willing to turn to him in faith and trust that Jesus Christ paid the penalty on the cross, they can be saved. That is the gospel message. It is man, it is the church that has made the message of the gospel difficult. But the gospel message is simple. Look to Jesus Christ and what he has done at the cross. Trust in him that he has paid the penalty for your sin. Now listen to me very carefully this morning. I didn't say put your name on a church roll. I didn't say get baptized in some water. I didn't say join a Sunday school class. I fear that is what we have communicated to people. The message of the gospel is clear. We must trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. There is no other way under heaven by which men can be saved except by the name of Jesus Christ. Only one way. Now I know That doesn't make you popular when you proclaim the truth of the gospel. But please hear me, people. People are dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ because we're not being clear with the message of the gospel. People need to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be under the wrath of God means to be in need of the gospel message. What does it mean to be under the wrath of God? It means to be spiritually dead. It means to be utterly helpless and hopeless to change our spiritual condition. Listen to me carefully. As long as you believe in your heart, you can change your spiritual condition, I can promise you, you cannot be saved. If we could change our spiritual condition, we would not need a Savior in Jesus Christ. It means to be in need of the gospel. So that brings us to the second question this morning. The second question we need to ask ourselves today is this. As followers of Jesus Christ, what is my responsibility in regards to those who are living under the wrath of God? You do believe we have a responsibility, right? Don't we? I think we do. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus Christ answers that question for us. It's a twofold answer. First, we need to pray. Listen to what Jesus Christ said in verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out 
laborers into the harvest field. Did you hear what Jesus Christ said in this passage? You know, so often in my life, I have looked at the world as the problem. Am I the only one that's ever done that? I look at the world and I think to myself, you know, if those people would just get their life in shape. You know, this place, this earth we live on would be a lot better place to live. Amen? But did you notice in this passage of Scripture, Jesus Christ didn't say the problem was with the world. He said, hey, look at the fields. They're white unto the harvest. The problem is with us. What does he say? He says the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that God would raise up laborers to send out into the harvest field. The problem is not the world. The problem is us allowing our hearts to be broken for the spiritual blindness and the spiritual need for Jesus Christ in people's lives. That's what Jesus Christ said in this passage of Scripture. He said, pray that God would raise up laborers from among you to go out into the harvest field to share the good news of Jesus Christ. When I read this passage of Scripture, I am so convicted about what it says here. I'm so convicted. You know why? Because I don't know that my heart is always as broken as it should be over the lostness of the world. Is your heart broken over the lostness of the world? Listen, folks, we can give people a cold cup of water. We can build a house for them. We can give them shoes. And do you understand? If that's all we do, they'll still die and go to hell. That is reality. That's the truth of God's Word. Jesus Christ said... It's not those who are well who need a doctor. It's those who are sick who need the doctor. The problem is not with the world. The problem is with us and our unwillingness to carry the gospel message to a lost and dying world. The gospel must be demonstrated and proclaimed through the words we speak and through the lives we live. It is a gospel of proclamation and demonstration. That's the truth of God's Word. We are to pray. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you look at the world, what do you see? Do you see people with problems? Or do you see people in need of Jesus Christ? I pray that we will be a people who will see people in need of Jesus Christ. Number two, we are to share. We are to tell the good news concerning Jesus Christ. Go back to this passage of Scripture and look in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all of the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of of the kingdom. Actually, that word there, proclaiming, can mean preach as well. But at the end of the day, what Jesus Christ was doing is he was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. That's what Jesus Christ was doing. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to his disciples, Power will come on you when you receive the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. Listen, folks, being a witness of Jesus Christ is not an option for the believer. 
Now, what we've done in our churches is we've made it optional, but I will tell you, in God's Word, there are no optional commands. There's no plan A, B, C, or D. There's one plan, and we very clearly have been told that we are to be fishers of men. We should be out seeking to catch those who are living under the wrath of God so that we might share with them how they can know and come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and worship Him as the Lamb of God. That should be the desire of our heart. We are to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost and dying world. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you really believe in your heart that every single person who is apart from Christ, that they are really living under the wrath of God? that if they were to die at this very moment, they would stand before God guilty and condemned. Do you believe that? It's the truth of God's Word. Whether we believe it or not, it doesn't change the reality. What is the world's greatest need? The world's greatest need is to know Jesus Christ and to worship Him for who He truly is. I ask you to bow your heads this morning. We're going to pray. Father God, we thank You for Your love and the way You have spoken to our hearts this morning. Father, as we enter into this time of invitation, I pray that You would work in our hearts and our lives in Your perfect way. Lord, that you would just continue to work. Father, I pray that our hearts would be broken over the lostness of the world. And Lord, that we would have a desire to want to share the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are living under the wrath of God. Lord, you have your way in our lives during this invitation. We pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.